Welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, recorded on Thursday the 21st of July 2022 here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition. And with me to read the articles today are Moira Lowe and a new reader, Richard Pugh. Our sound engineer is Alex Gwynne and we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all our listeners, especially new ones. I do hope that everyone enjoys this offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, including theatres. Readers publish letters, but not this edition, unfortunately. Birthdays and thought for the week. Nowadays, obituaries are placed following the closing music. So if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts, but at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays, so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answer phone, Worcester, that's 01905 767 766, or add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So we'll start with birthdays for the week. And there's just one, and that's today, the 28th of July, and it's Ruth Riddell. So happy birthday, Ruth, when that time comes. And now I'm going to ask Richard to read the thought for the week. This thought is taken from Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Thank you, Richard. And now those useful telephone numbers. You have our telephone number already for Colin Chance House. Worcester 767766 Police Non-Emergency 101 
Crime Stoppers. 0800555111. The Worcester Hub for Council Matters. Worcester 765765. Worcester Live, and that includes the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall, and the Henry Sandon Hall, 611427, Worcester. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. Out of Hours Medical Services, Treble One. And finally, Samaritans, 116123, and that's a free phone number. So now we'll have the headline and the headline articles. And I'll ask Moira to start us off. Okay, so my headline is from Friday, July the 15th, and it's turning up heat on ambulances. Ambulance crews are on black alert level as the looming heat wave threatens to heap extra pressure on the already overstretched service. The West Midlands Ambulance Service has been on black alert, which is REAP 4, for a number of months. Now staff and patients are braced for things to get even worse. The impending heat wave will put pressure on a service already struggling to cope, partly because of increased demand, but also the patient bottleneck at hospitals, including Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester. A surge of COVID-19 patients in Worcester has added to this pressure. A rare amber extreme heat warning has been issued by the Met Office to cover Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Temperatures could soar to 40 centigrade, breaking previous records. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust last week opened a new 29-bed acute medical unit and this week a 21-bed pathway discharge unit to create extra capacity and ease pressure on the system. An Ambulance Trust spokesman said the service always sees a significant rise in 999 calls during temperature extremes. More people tend to be outside, so emergency calls come in from incident locations, not in a named road, meaning call assessors have to use location identification technology to find patients. Added pressure is caused by injuries sustained during outdoor activities, sunburn, barbecue burns, trips and falls. The heat can also worsen symptoms for people with chronic breathing problems. A spokesman said... One of the things we particularly notice is that elderly people don't drink enough. This can lead to urinary infections, which can really affect them quite badly. They can appear confused, dizzy or light-headed, and on occasions, collapse or fall. He advised people to put on sun cream, dress sensibly and drink plenty of non-alcoholic fluids. The ambulance service has reported handover delays when paramedics get marooned at hospital. A trust spokesman said the ambulance service relies on each part of the health and social care system working together so that our ambulances can get to patients in the community quickly. Sadly, the pressures we are seeing in health and social care lead to long hospital handover delays with our crews left caring for patients that need admitting to hospital rather than responding to the next call. 
The result is that our crews are delayed reaching patients. We are working incredibly hard with all of our NHS and social care partners to prevent these delays. Matthew Hopkins, Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust said, Demand on our hospital services remains very high, with our staff facing unprecedented numbers of patients seeking urgent and emergency care. We continue to work closely with ambulance service colleagues, GPs, community nurses and social workers to explore all possible ways of safely reducing waiting times and improving ambulance handovers, and we thank them for their continued focus. Despite our best efforts, the current level of demand on our emergency departments means some patients are waiting for longer than we would like, and we would like to apologise to them for that. Managing the beds we have available for patients who need an emergency admission is also being made more challenging by increasing numbers of patients infected with COVID-19 as well as those who do not have COVID. Now the article headline, Saturday and Sunday, July the 16th to 17th. Guilty after 40 years, farmer guilty of killing wife in 1982. Pensioner David Venables has been found guilty of the murder of his wife. In dramatic scenes in a sweltering hot courtroom at Worcester Crown Court, the jury returned after nearly 17 hours. The jury foreman stood and, when asked, said a majority had found Venables guilty of the murder of wife Brenda Venables. Venables showed no emotion in the dock as the verdict was read out, and he was taken down. The verdict follows a five-week trial of the 89-year-old of Elgar Drive, Kemsey, who denied a single count that he murdered his wife on a day between May the 2nd and May the 5th, 1982. Venables was arrested on July the 30th, 2019, 18 days after Brenda's remains were found in a septic tank at Quaking House Farm in Kemsey, where the couple had lived in 1982 when she went missing. Following his arrest, Venables had tried to blame notorious serial killer Fred West for his wife's murder. But at his trial, the prosecution revealed Venables killed Brenda to continue a long-standing affair with Lorraine Stiles. Michael Burroughs, QC, had told the jury Venables got away with murder for nearly 40 years. He wanted her out of the way, Mr Burroughs said. He knew about the septic tank in its secluded location. It was for him almost the perfect hiding place. Following the murder, the court heard Venables appeared calm to those who knew him. He later sought an annulment of his marriage to Mrs Venables, who was described by relatives and friends in court as a kind, hospitable and friendly woman. 
the court had also heard a female friend of someone Venables knew had told him that Fred West picked her up in Worcester at a bus stop early one morning and she managed to escape. Venables of Elgar Drive, Kemsey, had told investigating officers, I wondered since whether he was responsible for picking her, Brenda, up and eventually disposing of her body. Brenda Venables' disappearance had been one of Worcestershire's biggest mysteries. The disappearance of Mrs Venables had been one of Worcestershire's biggest mysteries. Two days after she went missing, Venables told this paper he had been waiting anxiously by his phone, hoping for news. I just woke up to find that she had gone, he said. She has never done anything like this before, and I haven't the faintest idea what happened to her. After thanking the jury, the judge, Mrs Justice Amanda Tipples, said... Venables will be sentenced on Wednesday. Due to his health issues, the judge granted that Venables could appear at his sentencing via video link from prison. This next headline comes from Monday, July 18, 2022. The main headline, Patient's Diagnosis revealed the best and worst-rated GP surgeries in city. Subheadline says patients give their view on surgeries. The best and worst GP surgeries in the city, according to patients, have been revealed as part of an annual NHS survey. St Martin's Gate Surgery in Newtown Road again came top of the list, taking the highest marks for overall experience as having some of the most helpful staff and for being one of the easiest surgeries to get through to over the phone. St John's House Medical Centre scored the lowest for overall experience, with only two-thirds saying it was good. The figures come from the NHS's annual GP patient survey, which reveals how Worcester's doctors' surgeries were rated between January and April this year. Residents were asked for their opinion on a variety of elements with practices, from booking appointments, waiting times, out-of-hours services, and the quality of care given. Results showed that 82% of respondents at Thornlow Lodge Surgery 81% at Spring Gardens Medical Practice, 75% of those surveyed at Farrier House Surgery, and 74% of respondents at Seven Valley Medical Practice all said their overall experience was good or very good. Of those responding to the survey, 72% and 71% of patients at Haresfield House Surgery and Barbourne Medical Centre said their overall experience was good compared to 69% and 58% of respondents at Albany House Surgery and Elbury Moore Medical Practice. Just over half of respondents at St John's House Surgery 
said their experience at the doctors was a good one. Farrier House Surgery in Farrier Street was rated the easiest surgery to get hold of over the phone, with 82% of those surveyed saying the experience was easy, followed closely by St Martin's Gate Surgery and Spring Gardens Medical Practice. Five surgeries in Worcester had less than half of patients surveyed saying they did not have an easy experience getting hold of a GP over the phone, including Haresfield House and Albany House surgeries. Barbourn Medical Centre and Elbury Moor Medical Centre. The results of the survey showed that just 20% of patients who filled out the questionnaire at St John's House Surgery said it was easy to get hold of a GP over the phone. There was much praise for the city's receptionists in the survey, with all but one surgery scoring 75% or higher on questions about staff helpfulness. The highest score was recorded at St Martin Gate Surgery, with 94% of patients asked saying that receptionists were helpful. High scores were also recorded at Thornalow Lodge Surgery, with 91% of patients surveyed ticking the helpful box and 90% of patients at both Seven Valley Medical Practice and Farrier House Surgery answering the same. More high scores were also recorded at Spring Gardens Medical Practice, Barbourne Medical Centre and Haresfield House Surgery. Figures showed that 63% of those surveyed at St John's House Surgery said its receptionists were helpful, the lowest score in the city. OK, so my next headline is from Tuesday, July the 19th, and I've got another weather headline. Quieter streets as heat soars. Temperatures soared close to record levels as many people kept off the streets in the searing heat. Worcester came very close to breaking its all-time temperature record of 37 degrees centigrade as the city baked in the heat. The hottest temperature recorded by the Met Office for Worcestershire yesterday was 36.8 centigrade recorded at Aswood Bank yesterday. The previous highest temperature recorded was 37 degrees centigrade on August 3, 1990. The temperature recorded for Wales was provisionally broken at 35.3 degrees centigrade yesterday. The streets were by no means deserted, but still quiet, with some people braving the heat despite the red extreme heat warning issued by the Met Office. In total, 21 schools were expected to close today across Worcestershire, including Bishop Perone, Christopher Whitehead College in Worcester, Callow NCE Primary School, Chawson Community, First School in Droitwich and Norton Juxta, Kemsey CE First School and the Chase in Malvern. Meanwhile, 19 were listed as shown partially closed. However, the Rivers Academy Trust has opted to keep its schools open on Monday and Tuesday. Meanwhile, West Midlands Ambulance Service, which is already on the highest black alert level, shared advice 
government about how to respond to the hot spell, particularly flagging up the risks to older people aged over 75 and babies and young children. People were advised to stay out of the heat, cool themselves down, keep their environment cool or find somewhere else that is cool. Look out for neighbours, family or friends who may be isolated and unable to care for themselves. West Mercia Police said, Mad dogs and English men, and in brackets, and women, go out in the midday. Don't be one of them. As temperatures forecast to reach all-time high today and tomorrow, stay indoors if you can, keep cool and hydrated, and avoid strenuous activity. Look out for each other. (laughs) And the next day, Wednesday, July the 20th, the heat was still uppermost in the writers' minds. Hitting new highs, city breaks record for hottest day but keeps cool as emergency calls drop. Ambulance crews experienced a fall in 999 calls as the public heeded heatwave warnings. The West Midlands Ambulance Service was already on black alert ahead of the red extreme heat warning issued by the Met Office over the last two days. Worcester saw its hottest temperature ever yesterday, according to the Met Office, with a recording of 37.1 degrees, although pressure on the service remains exceptionally high. The latest data suggests people are listening to warnings issued by various bodies, including the Met Office, the Ambulance Service itself and the NHS bosses who manage Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester. Some ambulance crews agreed to work overtime so the service could provide a better response to emergencies. Hospital bosses say... They have also responded to the heatwave, bringing in air cooler units to help patients and staff and even handing out ice pops. The hot spell broke records earlier today as Heathrow Airport in London reported a temperature of 40.2 degrees Celsius at 12.50pm. The West Midlands Ambulance Service received 4,731 calls across the region yesterday, which was down 6,205 on the previous Monday and 5,003 the previous Monday, July the 4th. A spokesperson for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said, We are grateful to the public for heeding the warnings and taking extra care in the heat and ask that they continue to do so today. We'd like to also thank all of our staff and volunteers who continue to work extremely hard in these challenging conditions, particularly those who agreed to come in on overtime so that we could increase the number of ambulances on the road and call handlers in our control room so that we were fully prepared for the current heatwave. We reported earlier today how wait times at Worcestershire Royal Hospital's A&E department were nearly 14 hours long. 
According to the Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust website, Worcestershire Royal Hospital had wait times of 13 hours and 46 minutes, with 21 patients waiting to be seen at one stage. Matthew Hopkins, Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said... Once again, our staff are rising to a significant challenge to keep our patients and colleagues safe during record-breaking temperatures. We've been putting measures in place across our hospitals to keep our patients safe and cool, including ensuring we can get patients off ambulances and into the emergency department as quickly as possible bringing in air cooler units across clinical areas and providing ice pops for patients and staff. The well-being of our staff is also being closely monitored, providing them with regular breaks, access to extra cooling areas and hydration stations. We've also relaxed our uniform policy for this week to ensure colleagues are as comfortable as they can be in this extreme heat. Added pressure can be caused during hot weather by injuries sustained during outdoor activities, sunburn, barbecue burns, trips and falls. The heat can also worsen symptoms for people with chronic breathing problems. Elderly people who do not stay hydrated can get urinary infections. People are advised to wear sunscreen and to avoid drinking too much alcohol. Our next headline is taken from Thursday, July the 21st, 2022. Life for killing his wife. Venables, 89, sentenced four decades after murder. The subheading, Life in Prison for Venables. Pensioner David Venables has been jailed for life for the murder of his wife, Brenda. The sentencing brings justice for the Venables family for a murder the 89-year-old got away with for nearly 40 years. During his sentencing, it was revealed Venables of Elga Drive, Kemsey, made one last attempt to escape proper justice by attempting to mislead psychiatrists he wasn't fit to plead. Michael Burroughs, QC, said the Crown had found Venables had not made maximum effort when being assessed. It reflects an absence of remorse, his manipulative character, Mr Burroughs said. Mr Burroughs listed the aggravating factors of the case, including concealing her body in a septic tank at Quaking House Farm, where the couple had lived when Brenda went missing in 1982, and that Brenda had been entitled to feel safe in her own home, but had been attacked by her husband. Sentencing Venables who showed no emotion throughout the hearing, the judge, Mrs Justice Amanda Tipples, said Venables had pushed the story his wife had killed herself. No one had suspected that the real risk to Brenda was you, the smartly dressed gentleman farmer, the judge said. The judge jailed Venables for life, with a minimum of 18 years. Earlier, 
there had been tears in the public gallery as the family's victim personal statement was read out to the court. The statement, written by Brenda's niece, Jocelyn Sheppy, said Brenda was kind and caring and has been greatly missed by all her family and many friends. When Brenda's remains were found in the horrendous circumstances in which she was found have been difficult for her whole family to come to terms with. The thought Brenda lay there for over 37 years, undiscovered, whilst the septic tank continued to be used, is simply unthinkable. Many members of her family have died never knowing what happened to her. The trial, brought to a conclusion by the jury's majority verdict last Friday, had heard Venables had even tried to blame notorious serial killer Fred West for his wife's murder. The sentencing at Worcester Crown Court yesterday had been delayed in the morning as Venables appeared on video link, but was unable to hear the proceedings due to technical issues. The judge ordered for him to be brought to court from HMP Hewell, with the hearing getting underway around three hours later. Thank you, Richard. Now I'll ask Moira to read us a sports article. Okay, so my sports headline is Crucial Talks. There are growing fears that Worcester Warriors might lose their star possession in fly-half Finn Smith in the next year. Premiership clubs are keeping an eye on the contract situation at Worcester as the 20-year-old is still yet to sign a senior contract at Six Ways. He remains on an academy deal that still has a year left, the Worcester News understands. Smith has been away with England under-20s for the past two weeks, starting every game in Italy where England finished the under-26 Nations Summer Series tournament in fourth place. Warriors director of rugby Steve Diamond has stated how he wishes to build a team around Smith and talks are ongoing around a new senior deal. Back in February, Diamond said, We have to recruit, but people like Finn Smith, Gareth Simpson, Ollie Lawrence, Ted Hill, Jamie Shilcock, they're all Worcester boys and we will be building around them. Northampton Saints are said to be leading the way to snap up the outside half should a new contract not be agreed. A prospect that could see the promising talent link up with Wales International and British and Irish Lion Dan Bigger. Earlier in the season, the pair were seen having a long chat following Worcester's 66-10 hammering at Franklin's Gardens. Smith revealed what was said during a really cool experience for the Warrior. The main message from him was that he thought I had a good game and to just crack on, said Smith. He said I had done well and he told me that you can't let results like this sort of bog you down. He said he saw a lot of himself in me at a young age so I appreciated that and the main thing from him was that it would take one good performance and the confidence will start coming back to us as a team. To take the chance to come and speak to me was great from him but in general it was just a crack on next week. Just a really cool moment for me. The fixture list for the new Gallagher Premiership season were revealed this morning at 11am. Could it be the last season for Smith? We shall have to wait and see how events unfold. Worcester's non-international squad are back in training ahead of their pre-season clash with Glasgow on September the 2nd.
So now we'll move on to the general articles for the week and still on the theme of the heat. Wildfire threat on parched ground. The heat wave is creating a risk of wildfires as firefighters reveal some of the challenging incidents they have already had to deal with. Crews have tackled a burning bench in Droitwich, rescued a horse in Bromyard and extinguished a tyre blaze by a lake at Pershall Green near Droitwich. On the second day of a red extreme heat warning issued by the Met Office, the concern became the risk of wildfires. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service has asked people not to cause fires during the unprecedented heatwave. Following a recent spate of wildfires and other incidents, both over the weekend and in the previous few days, the fire service is again reminding people to take extra care during this week's record heatwave. From Friday to Sunday, firefighters were called to a very large number of fires in the open, crashes, house, bench, peat and agricultural fires and incidents in or near water. Some of the crashes have been on the M5, causing significant traffic delays and lane closures. Between Friday and Sunday, firefighters were deployed to well over 30 fires in the open across the two counties, as well as some 12 crashes or vehicle fires and two incidents in or near water, as well as other water call-outs last week. Other deployments have been to house and agricultural building fires and out-of-control barbecue, wild and farm animal rescues, oven fires, shed and fence fires, rubbish and refuse fires and electrical incidents. Emma Roberts, Head of Prevention at Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service, said these are unprecedented temperatures which may reach a record, so it's vital we all take particular care not to cause fires or other incidents which could be avoided with a little planning. That way we can avoid putting ourselves, the fire service or other emergency services, in unnecessary danger. Further information on how to stay safe and avoid causing fires or other incidents is on the Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service website. On articles on the sun and hot weather, this next one is sun blamed for collision. A driver said he was blinded by the low sun when he ploughed into a removals van. The male driver, who did not wish to be named, crashed his Volvo into the parts removals van in Dugdale Drive, Warndon Villages, Worcester, at around 6am yesterday. The incident was attended by four officers from the response uh, night shift who secured the scene, closing the road with cones and signs as they waited a recovery vehicle. The impact just after the junction with Fowler Avenue damaged the front passenger side of the car, a grey Volvo XC60, including the headlight and bumper, which was partially hanging off. Debris was also left in the road following the impact, with the back of the Volkswagen 
van which was emblazoned with the St John's Removals logo. The male driver, who was in his own in the car when the crash happened, said, It was the low sun. I was coming through and I just didn't see it. The sun was right in my eyes. When I did see it, it was too late. He said he was uninjured, apart from a sore wrist. Early morning commuters turned around in Fowler Avenue to find alternative routes. The Worcester News understands that the tail lift at the back of the van was twisted on impact and could not therefore be used. The team from St John's Removals, which has another van, was just about to start a job. However, a spokesman said they hoped to get the van repaired as soon as possible and had already been in contact with the insurers. The road reopened later in the morning. A spokesman for West Midlands Police later said, Around 6am today, Friday the 15th of July, officers received a report of a car having collided with a parked car on Dugdale Drive. Officers attended, no injuries were reported and the car was recovered. A 12-year-old girl has been out of education for a year after being declined a place at the high school of her choice. Rebecca Smith from Ronxwood has shared her despair after daughter Sammy Jo has been at home for a year. Sammy Jo hoped to go to her nearest school, Nunnery Wood, last September, but was instead offered a place at Bishop Perone School in Merriman's Hill Road. Her mum said, I didn't want her going to Bishop Perone as it's completely out of my way. I have to take my other children to Perrywood, so I just wouldn't be able to get them all to school on time. All she has done for months and months now is cry. It's not that she hates the school, but she just doesn't know anyone there. No one from her primary school went there and none of her family are there. Rebecca removed Sammy Jo from the role at Bishop Perone after several visits from teachers asking why she had not been at school. A spokesperson for the school said, we received an email from Rebecca Smith dated December the 7th, 2021, confirming she wished to remove her daughter from Bishop Perone College for elective home education until she was offered a place at Nunnery Wood High School. The named student was subsequently removed from our records at mother's request and would have been passed to children missing in education at Worcestershire County Council. Now, Rebecca is desperate to get her daughter back into education. I've had no one contact me for months, she said. Recently, I've rung Nunnery Wood so many times they don't even have to ask my name anymore. Rebecca has been told by the school that they are not in the catchment area. However, she claims that neighbours' children have recently got places to start in September, while her older son previously attended the school while living at their current address. Stephen Powell, Nunnery Wood Head, said they cannot comment on specific circumstances but recommended that children attend the school they are offered. He said, We are aware that many parents who want Nunnery Wood High School are disappointed each year because we are oversubscribed in every year group. There is an appeal process overseen by the local authority for parents who are successful in gaining a place for their child. Our advice to parents is for their child to attend the school that they have been offered. Worcester is lucky in having all its schools rated as good by Ofsted. 
Councillor Tracy Onslow, Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Education at Worcestershire County Council said, We are aware of the experiences and concerns of this parent and we are currently working with the family to find a solution. If parents or guardians are unhappy with the school place allocated, there is an official appeals process to challenge the decision and advice on admissions on our website, worcestershire.gov.uk forward slash school admissions. Rebecca recently spoke with Bishop Perone, who offered Sammy Jo a place for next September, which she said they will give a go. Well, regular listeners to our talking newspaper will know that I rather like reading articles about Worcester history. So here's this week's offering, and it's headed Spooky Tales from Beneath School. And there's a whole series of photographs, and the article pulls those together. There's a picture of the physics laboratory at Worcester Royal Grammar School in 1924, There's a picture of the building White Ladies at Worcester Royal Grammar School in 1930s when it was the school boarding house. A picture of Gregory's Grocery Store in the Tithing in 1908 when the average working man's weekly wage was 22 shillings or £1.10. There's an aerial picture from 1929 of that area, the Tithing and Barbourne, with the new Skirls Secondary School, later called the Worcester Grammar School for Girls. There's also a picture of Jay Cartwright's Military Haircutting and Easy Saving Saloon in the Tithing, adjacent to the Royal Grammar School in the 1920s. And finally, a picture of Ursula Corbett, the alleged white witch of Worcester, despite the fact that she came from Defford, on her way to be burned at the stake in 1661. So here's the article that pulls those things together. Not much raises the goosebumps more than the prospect of being trapped in a low tunnel especially if it's very narrow, pitch black and thoroughly claustrophobic. Perhaps that's why so many legends have attached themselves to the supposed network of subterranean passages in and around Worcester. Undoubtedly, the most scary is the story of a young nun who allegedly died terrified after finding herself entombed in one that is said to lead from the building called White Lady's House in the Tithing to Worcester Cathedral. That's a heck of a long tunnel. It is claimed that on wild and windy nights, her manic wailing and the sound of her fingernails clawing desperately against the inside of the tunnel's wooden door can still be heard. Personally, says the author, I have my doubts about that, because since 1868, the property has been part of Worcester's Boys Grammar School and for many years, up until recent times, served as its boarding house where pupils slept in dormitories. In my whole stretch there, he says, I never heard of any female noises coming from behind closed doors, unless they were from young ladies who had been surreptitiously sneaked in before the co-ed days. 
And seeing as the housemaster back then, the AR Wimpy Wheeler, had the eyes of a hawk and the hearing of a bat, that was extremely unlikely. Nevertheless, that a passage of sorts existed cannot be denied, because over the centuries there had been several mentions of it. Dr Treadway Nash, the Worcestershire historian of the late 1700s, wrote that he entered the passage from the tithing, hoping to trace its course, but had to give up after about a 100 yards because of its foul air. His lamp also went out. As well as a tunnel to the cathedral, there was also supposed to be one from White Ladies to Hindlip House, but the distance to either place makes this extremely unlikely. The legend had its biggest boost in Victorian times when James Skip Borlais wrote a lurid bit of fiction called The White Witch of Worcester. Set in the 1300s, it was serialised in the Worcestershire Chronicle in the 1880s. The book combined the real-life death of Ursula Corbett, condemned to death for poisoning her husband, with a secret tunnel below the city which would have provided her with an escape route. In reality, Ursula didn't die in a tunnel, but was burned at the stake in the middle of Worcester. Despite this inconvenience, White Ladies was the site of the only nunnery founded in Worcester. Set up around 1250 by Bishop Cantaloupe and distinctive for the white habits of the Cistercian nuns. Although it was endowed with 53 acres of land just outside Worcester at a place called Aston, now known as White Ladies Aston, the foundation was never rich and the nuns laboured hard in the fields. The property fell to the crown during the dissolution, and the current white lady's house was built by Richard Blurton in the 18th century. However, medieval red stone fragments of the original chapel, dedicated to St Mary Magdalen in 1255, remain. Interestingly, another priory of white ladies was established in the 12th century in Shropshire and achieved brief fame in 1651 when Charles II hid there after fleeing the Battle of Worcester before moving on to nearby Boscobel House. Maybe he picked up an English heritage guide as he galloped down the tithing. In case you think we'd forgotten about the weather, here's another story entitled Heat Turned Up on Cruise. Under pressure, firefighters have tackled a series of devastating wildfires, responding to 74 call-outs in a few days as heating heat wave temperatures soared. Part of the Licky Hills were reduced to a charred, smouldering wasteland on Monday, a fire at Halterbury Common on Tuesday evening also caused widespread damage. However, cattle escaped the blaze unharmed as it engulfed parts of the common, forcing the closure of Halterbury Road in both directions. The fire came at the end of the hottest day of the year during a two-day red extreme heat warning 
from the Met Office. Worcestershire reached a record temperature of 37.1 Celsius earlier that day, breaking the previous record from August 1990. In London, it was hotter again, reaching 40.2 degrees Celsius at Heathrow Airport. A provisional temperature of 40.3 Celsius was recorded at Coningsby, beating the previous UK record of 38.7 degrees Celsius set in 2019. The cause of the fires at Hartbury and the Licky Hills remains under investigation by Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. At the height of the Licky Hills fire, 12 fire engines were at the scene. Since Friday, local firefighters have responded to 74 calls about fires in the open or similar calls involving standing corn, crops or rubbish. Crews attended the blaze at Halterbury Common at 8.08pm on Tuesday and were there overnight dampening down. Some firefighters had only finished tackling the blaze at the Licky Hills before being dispatched to Halterbury. Crews were also still at the Licky Hills on Wednesday after they first began tackling the blaze on Monday. Despite all the local fires, firefighters from Worcestershire offered assistance to tackle fires in London after the fire brigade there declared a major incident. A spokesman for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said, Assistance was offered to colleagues in London through national resilience and specifically with our two wildfire tactical advisers, although this was ultimately not required. Some of these fires have been significant, especially the one on the Licky Hills, where at the height of the incident, 12 fire engines were in attendance. Four fire engines, plus a water carrier and Land Rover, attended the incident at Halterbury Common last night, and this is still ongoing. And these are in addition to more usual calls, including an increase in the number of road traffic collisions over the same period. The service is asking people not to take barbecues outside of their own property and to consider carefully before starting a barbecue in their gardens, as well as avoiding bonfires or other open-air fires at the moment. A multi-million pound regeneration project, which will include housing, a hotel, a gym and a cinema, is gathering pace with work set to get underway soon. The £150 million regeneration project for Shrub Hill in Worcester is to launch later this month, with the site already cleared, ready for work to begin. The city's MP, Robin Walker, and the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, will be among the guests who will be marking the launch. When complete, the £150 million investment in the regeneration of the city Shrub Hill area will comprise hundreds of new apartments, including affordable housing, hotel, gym, multi-storey car park, food and drink outlets and multi-screen cinema and 10-pin bowling. Developers say the project will bring a significant boost to the local economy, including hundreds of jobs. 
The project aims to deliver 468 new homes in Worcester city centre, supporting the long-term regeneration of Shore Hill. Demolition and site clearance has been completed for Phase 1 and Phase 2. Elliott Group is the main contractor for the scheme, saying they are, they are to using local labour and materials. Affordable housing will be delivered in Phase 2. Mr Walk said, For too long this part of Worcester has been overlooked and it is hugely exciting to see regeneration unlocking the potential of Shrub Hill as a gateway to our city. More homes, more jobs and more opportunities for apprenticeships are all welcome benefits of this development, but most exciting of all will be the breathing of new life into this part of the city. With more people living close to the city centre and enjoying the new leisure facilities this area will offer, this development should strengthen footfall in the high street and benefit the whole city. Alongside the exciting development unlocked by Worcester's town deal, this development has the potential to transform our city for the better. Stenard Harrison, Managing Director of Worcester-based Sheriffgate Development, said, Shrub Hill was included as one of the major areas for regeneration in the Worcester City Centre Master Plan, and we are delighted to be bringing this to fruition in partnership with the City Council planners. Phase one of the site has already been cleared for work to begin on the first of 213 apartments with more than 100 workers ready to begin. Elliot, Managing Director of Elliot Group UK, said, The investment in the Sheriff's Gate neighbourhood will regenerate the community as a place to live and work. Our headline on the next article is Families Hit by Cash Limit. More than... 1,500 children in Worcester are set to be affected by a limit on child allowance benefits, estimates suggest. The two-child limit restricts child allowances in universal credit and tax credits to the first two children in a family unless the children were born before April 6, 2017, when the policy came into force. Department for Work and Pensions figures show that 580 households with three or more children in Worcester were receiving universal credit in April, and 570 received child tax credits, meaning 1,150 in total. The Child Poverty Action Group estimate that this means there are 1,810 children in families affected by the policy, among 1.2 million across Great Britain. The allowances are worth £2,935 per year. The Child Poverty Action Group is calling for the policy to be scrapped by the government claiming it pushes families into poverty. Alison Graham, Chief Executive of the charity, said the first instalment of the £650 cost of living emergency payment is not enough to stop the policy from pushing families deeper into poverty. She said, the two-child limit is piling on the pain for affected families. One in 12 children are taking the consequences of this brutal policy. Their health, development and well-being are being jeopardised. If every child matters, not just some, the policy must be abolished. 
Child Poverty Action Group estimates that around 1 in 12 children in Worcester are impacted by the cut-off. Kate Anderson from the Benefit Changes and Larger Families Project said, While parents do all they can to stop children from being impacted by the two-child limit, the policy makes it almost impossible for affected families to meet basic needs. The policy creates social and emotional harms and can increase tensions within the household. We know that these harms are likely to have long-term negative consequences for children's physical health, social, behavioural and emotional development, cognitive development and school achievement. The Department for Work and Pensions said more than 8 million households on benefits will receive the first instalment of the £650 cost of living payment with millions getting at least £1,200 in extra support. A spokesman said, This policy means families on benefits are asked to make the same financial decisions as families supporting themselves solely through work, including considering our comprehensive childcare offer for working parents and child benefit for all children. A thousand handicraft butterflies will flutter around St Andrew's Spire in Worcester this summer. St Richard's Hospice has put together a colourful kaleidoscope of butterfly sculptures that people will be able to visit between August 12th and the 29th. Ed Alvis, who is best known for his appearance on Scrap Kings for the Quest TV channel, has created the butterflies for the hospice. Mr Alvis's father was cared for at home by St Richard's during a short illness before he died in 2013. The television personality said creating the butterflies was another opportunity to show his gratitude for that help. The hospice hopes the donations helped to create the sculpture installation will raise money for St Richard's patients, their loved ones and bereaved people across Worcestershire. Each butterfly has been individually commissioned from Mr Alvis, who has a workshop called Metal Art UK near Evesham. St Richard's is welcoming people through their doors in August, as they are encouraging visitors to remember loved ones or to mark special occasions by donating money for a butterfly. Visitors can take the butterflies home as a keepsake or as a gift. Family support manager Matt Jackson said, the butterflies will create a colourful, eye-catching garden which will be an ideal focal point for celebration and reflection in the heart of Worcester. A symbol of transformation and hope, butterflies are also reflective of our work with families and young people as we support them to navigate the changes that arise when a loved one has a serious progressive illness or they are bereaved. After the event, donors can receive the butterflies in the post or they can collect a butterfly from the spire or from the hospice. The display of beautiful butterflies comes after the success of the charity's previous celebration gardens of forget-me-nots, snowdrops, dragonflies and bees. The hospice team supports more than 3,100 patients, family members and bereaved people in Worcestershire and it costs £8.75 million to run the hospice. The next article is about an issue which has arisen in St John's. Anger over hall plans. 
Angry residents say plans to build student accommodation in St John's are not wanted or needed. Plans were unveiled last month to demolish St Clement's Church Hall in Hennick Road and replace it with a block of 54 student flats. But residents have raised concerns about the location, which neighbours a sheltered housing scheme, and are wondered, worried that an influx of students could lead to an increase in antisocial behaviour. They are also upset at the potential de- demolition of the church hall, which was built in 1909 but has been empty in recent years. Councillor for the city, Robin Norfolk, in her response to the planning application, said the hall was used as a community space until recently. Instead of destroying this building, it should be renovated and renewed and introduced back into St John's as a community space run for and by residents in St John's, she said adding that building work would place an unbearable strain on sheltered housing residents. Councillor Richard Usel attended a public meeting at Dancock's house, which backs onto the site, on Tuesday, July the 12th. He said nearly a 100 residents attended and voted to oppose the application. St John's residents react to student housing plans and they uh, submitted comments also to Worcester City Council as part of a consultation that ended yesterday, Wednesday, July the 13th. Objecting to the plans, Jeanette Brown said, This is not wanted or needed. This development will only cause additional pressure, noise, traffic, litter and other problems if it goes ahead. Another resident, Hannah Al-Khaldi, said, St John's does not need any more student accommodation. The area has seen its character eroded by the number of students here. Joshua Wilkinson wrote in support of the application, saying he believes the arrival of more students in the area will boost the economy. I welcome this development to our area and hope it will improve St John's for the better, he said. Work started last year to convert the former YMCA building in Hennick Road into 163 student apartments. And new venture housing, which is responsible for the St Clement's Church plans, is building student flats on the site of the old Images nightclub in the butts. The headline in this article is Police Block Late Nights. Police have opposed a plan by a new city centre takeaway to open until the early hours of the morning. Fire Away Pizza, which is set to open in Angel Street in Worcester, has asked for permission to open until 5am, but West Mercia Police has challenged the plan, saying it would lead to a rising crime, noise, traffic and litter. The objection from police comes in spite of both neighbouring takeaways, Shakey's and Best Kebab House, having 6am and 5am closing times. Best Kebab House 
was given permission to open until the early hours in 2019, without any objections from police. Takeaway bosses said the new faraway pizza would not be a normal fast food shop, instead providing quality food and a more uh, chilled and ambient atmosphere. The new takeaway would also improve the area and help reduce antisocial behaviour by installing CCTV, the owners said. Worcester City Council's licensing subcommittee meets in the Guildhall on July 26th to discuss the late-night plan. An objection from West Mercia Police's Design Out Crime Officer, which will be discussed by councillors, said, I do have concerns in relation to this application. Angel Street has one of the highest rates of crime and disorder within Worcester City. Therefore, effective management to ensure safety for all customers and staff, the open plan layout and limited seating may add to possible disorder. In my opinion, I feel that the proposed times could be varied. This would enable the applicant to demonstrate that the venue can operate effectively to ensure any impact on crime and disorder can be monitored. These could then be reviewed in 12 to 18 months. Police also raised concerns that opening a new late-night takeaway could affect the city's bid for Purple Flag accreditation. One of the aims of this accreditation is the working towards a desire to rebrand Worcester City, moving it away from the epicentre of antisocial behaviour to a new positive, friendly and safe place for patrons, the objection said. As such, it is police opinion that the granting of this application does not fit within the development model for the city centre. Right, I've got a, a nice story here. Um, blue plaque to mark original porcelain site. So the plaque says Worcester Porcelain, the first Worcester Porcelain factory, Warmstry House, was founded near this site by Dr John Wall and his business partners in June 1751. And there's a picture of Phil Douse, the chairman of Worcester Civic Society, John Sandon, Sophie Heath, director of the Museum of Royal Worcester and historian Colin Millett with Henry Sandon in the front of the plaque. To most people, by historians, the traditional home of Royal Worcester Porcelain was the company's former factory in Seven Street where the Museum of Royal Worcester stands. But it's not always been like that and now a blue plaque has been unveiled to mark the original site of the world famous firm which was about half a mile away alongside the River Seven. What was then called the Warmestry House Factory stood on land now occupied by Copenhagen Street car park and the Heart of England College, and the plaque is fixed to a wall alongside South Quay Promenade. The project to recognise the first site of porcelain production in Worcester was a joint venture between the Museum of Royal Worcester and Worcester Civic Society, and the unveiling was by BBC Antiques Roadshow expert and museum trustee, John Sandon, accompanied by his father, museum patron, Henry Sandon. 
Henry was actively involved in archaeological excavations on the site from 1967 onwards, when broken pieces of Worcester porcelain known as wasters were found, evidence of the first site of porcelain production in the city. Sophie Heath, museum director, said, It was a very special day to see this incredibly important site in the city's porcelain heritage, recognised and marked for residents and visitors. We thank the friends of the Museum of Royal Worcester and Worcester Civic Society for their support and efforts which have made the idea a reality. The Warmstry House factory was founded in 1751 by Dr John Wall and his business partners who created a successful porcelain recipe which didn't crack when boiling water was poured onto it. Worcester Porcelain's reputation for quality and excellence grew from there, with the River Severn playing an important role in the transport of raw materials, such as clay and coal, and transporting finished porcelain by boat around the world. Colin Millett, local historian, author and friend of the museum, added, As a keen supporter of the Museum of Royal Worcester, I've been thrilled to work closely with Phil Douse, chairman of the Worcester Civic Society, to bring this project to fruition. I am delighted that both Henry and John Sandon, who have each contributed so much to the understanding and appreciation of Worcester porcelain, were able to join us to celebrate, alongside 70 guests, including former Royal Worcester workers and museum friends. And now, school on waiting list. A new medical school designed to train the next generation of doctors in Worcestershire will not open this year. The University of Worcester announced the new Three Counties Medical School, which had been due to welcome its first students this September, would not be opening until the following year. This, it said, was so more places for students could be secured. Vice-Chancellor Professor David Green said postponing would allow the university to secure more places and financial support. He said, We are deeply committed to creating a first-class medical school to serve the people of the three counties of Herefordshire, Gloucestershire and Worcestershire and beyond for many, many years to come. Postponing will enable us to secure the funded places or alternative financial support needed to ensure GMC concerns about long-term recruitment, sustainability are met. At present, thanks to local charitable and NHS financial support, we have funding for an initial pioneers cohort of 20 UK students. Postponing will also enable us to be very well advanced in the development of curriculum materials and assessments across the entire programme. Staff colleagues who have recently joined the university will have the time to become fully embedded in the school. The new building for health and medicine will also be fully open. The new school is being built in what was the old Worcester News office in Hilton Road and is intended to offset the shortage of GPs in the region. A university statement said the postponement would allow it to deal with issues securing the right number of places and financial support needed. 
It said, postponing the opening of the Three Counties Medical School will allow the university to redouble its campaign to persuade HM government to release funded places so the school can make its full contribution to remedying the acute shortage of doctors in the region. Beneath a picture, a photograph of the police post in Burley Road, Dines Green, the headline reads, PCC told to walk beat. A police and crime commissioner was challenged to walk the beat to see the true value of a police post earmarked for for potential closure. Councillor Richard Udall threw down the gauntlet to West Mercia's police and crime commissioner, John Campion, at a full meeting of Worcester City Council. But Mr Campion claimed the row over Dines Green Police Post was a storm in a teacup, whipped up by Councillor Udell for publicity. The Labour City Councillor for St John's had challenged Mr Campion to work a shift with the team led by the superb PC Paul Slaymaker. It came during his impassioned plea for the Dines Green Post to remain open, resulting in a unanimous vote in favour of his motion. He now intends to write to both Mr Campion and the Forces Chief Constable Pippa Mills, formally requesting they work a shift to see firsthand the value of the Burley Road post. The potential closure of the police post formed part of a larger estate strategy consultation to save money. The consultation closed on July the 11th. The post could potentially be replaced by a mobile police station, which Mr Campion argues would provide greater flexibility. However, the city's position on the matter will now be difficult to ignore, says Councillor Udall. Well, now we've reached the end of this recorded edition. Thanks go to Richard, to Moira and to Alex for reading and recording and to Carol Hartle for leading that vital admin provision. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll be back for more next time. So best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all the team. Goodbye. Bye. Diane Maureen Paul passed away peacefully after a 12-month battle on July the 10th, 2022, aged 80 years. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium on Saturday, July the 23rd, 2022, at 11am. By the family's request, no black clothing to be worn. John Graham Duggan, known as Skipper, sadly passed away on July the 11th, 2022, aged 83 years. The funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, August the 4th at 12.15. Family flowers only, please. Rosemary Hammett, known as Dina, passed away peacefully at home on 25th of June, 2022, aged 77 years. The funeral service will take place at St John the Baptist Church, Sutley, on Friday the 5th of August at 11am. Family flowers only, please.
Catherine Steedman Irvin, Cathy, passed away at St Richard's Hospice on Sunday the 26th of June, aged 84 years. The funeral service will take place on Monday the 1st of August at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30. Family flowers only, please. Dorothy May Centre passed away peacefully on Monday the 4th of July at home aged 96 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 27th of July at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. John Arthur Atkinson, formerly of Malvern and Heenan Drives Limited, Worcester, passed away in Torabrija, Spain, on the 17th of May 2022, aged 81. No funeral details. Mary Elizabeth Bakewell, née Beeman, passed away peacefully at home on July the 8th, 2022, aged 69 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 27th of July at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please. Janet Helen Dugmore, née Braddock, passed away peacefully after a long illness on July the 2nd, 2022, aged 82 years. The funeral service has already been held. Anne Kathleen Holmes, née Salt, passed away peacefully with her family by her side on the 4th of July 2022, aged 90 years. The funeral service has already been held. John William Percival passed away peacefully at home on the 7th of July 2022, aged 91 years. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Monday the 25th of July at 2pm. Family flowers only, please. Pauline Roberts, Wilkie, from Worcester, passed away peacefully surrounded by family on the 2nd of July 2022 at home, aged 79 years. The funeral service has already taken place. Maureen Ann Rumney passed away peacefully on the 29th of June 2022, aged 86 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 26th of July at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Christine Rosemary Burley from Worcester passed away peacefully on the 1st of July 2022 at Worcester Royal Hospital, aged 84 years. A full service to take place at St George's Church of England Church on the 28th of July at 11am, followed by burial at Astwood Cemetery, Worcester. Please send all floral tributes to Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Janet Pinfield known as Janet Wise, passed away peacefully at home in Worcester, surrounded by her family on the 6th of July 2022, after a long illness at the age of 66. 
The funeral will be held at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on the 29th of July at 10am, followed by a private family burial at Aswood Cemetery. Flowers and donations welcome. Cynthia Joy Spry, nay Cole, passed away peacefully on the 11th of July, 22, aged 90 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on 28th of July at 2.30pm. Family flowers only. Michael Rock of Henwick House, formerly of Helford Close, Worcester, passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on the 19th of June 2022 with his daughter by his side. The funeral was to be due to be held at St George's Catholic Church, Sansom Place, Worcester, on Thursday the 21st of July. At Mike's request, no flowers but a collection for St Richard's Hospice. <laughs> 